welcome to the Mama Marketer podcast. I am your host, Olivia Hayes, and I am here with my friend, Mark, who I actually met on Instagram. Um, he is just a local business here in the Wichita area that I noticed. Not on from her church. Right. Yes. Yeah. Good, good, good. He has been listening to the episodes, and so he knows. Uh, not someone I met from church, which has been the last few episodes have been people that I just randomly met either online or out and about in Wichita. So it's been really cool. Um, and I had reached out to him because we love hearing entrepreneur stories. We love hearing how businesses got started and, and just the whole why behind them. Um, and one thing that stood out to me as far as your business on Instagram, is I noticed that you guys actually sh will share Bible verses usually on Sundays, but sometimes even in between the Sundays. Yeah, we do it um, every day. And yeah. so we have the, the most awesome thing is we have an app called the Bible Lab that's right there on your phone every morning and you get a verse of the day and yeah. it gives you a photo that you can share. And so it's just faith is part of who we are. And so we share it every day. So. Yeah, I love that. I'm a big fan of the app as well. I have it to where the whatever is the verse of the day just shows up as a widget on my phone. And I just thought it was so interesting because not every business has that in the forefront of them. They might save that for their personal pages or whatever, but you guys had it on your business page. And I thought that was really cool. Like you said, it's a part of you guys. Um, yeah. So why not put it out there? So I that's one thing that made you guys stand out to me as far as on Instagram. Um so yeah, I'm going to let you go first. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about your business? Sure. Real fast. Uh, my name is Mark Medden and I own Eminem Sharpening Services. Uh, we're a small two rednecks in a garage, three rednecks in a garage uh, sharpening business here in Wichita. And uh, we started out as my son, my oldest, was a 16-year-old, and he had to do the Entrepreneurship Merit Badge for Boy Scouts. Well, we talked about starting a business like this for years, just never got around to it. Well, in that badge, you have to go through the entire process, building a business plan, how would you get funding, everything, all the way through, up to making it official. So he did all this work, and we're like, let's just make this official and let it roll. And so that's why we started the business. Now we're almost 11 years ago, officially a couple of days ago. So it's pretty cool. And then we've grown from a bunch of hand tools to doing what we do. So it's pretty cool. That so. is really cool. So um, 11 years is, I remember when we had a marketing agency back in Texas, I remember um, when we hit, I think it was the three-year mark and the five-year mark, there's these big statistics of how, about how most businesses do not make it to three and an even smaller amount of them make it to five. So I'm sure, you know, I mean, being a small business and I mean, 11 years is significant. So congratulations on that. That's awesome. And then tell me, so your team is, I know you started with uh, your son and then it's you. And is it, is it all family related? All family. My, uh, my wife is the, we call her the face and the voice of the business because she answers the phone and talks to customers because let's be honest, both me and my son have day jobs, okay? <laughs> m and Sharpening is not big enough yet. We're getting growing pretty quickly, but it's still not a full-time gig yet. So both me and my son have full-time jobs. Um, you'll love this. We homeschool from all the way from my oldest being a kindergartner all the way up to my third child just graduated. So there's a long time of homeschooling in there. Yes. We have used that part of this business as part of the homeschooling process. My, uh, my now 18-year-old was answering the phone as a nine-year-old. Mm. He was dealing, helping deal with change, having to deal with customers as a very young person. And we started that as part of our curriculum, if, it, if you were. Of learning how to deal with that kind of thing. How do you learn change, make change? You do math. How do you learn to do this? How do you learn to do that? It all works into the homeschooling curriculum. So, yeah, that's so cool. I think that entrepreneurship and scouting play so well with homeschool. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I love, we're, we're obviously a homeschool family and we're obviously a big scouting family. My husband is like, second, third generation Eagle Scout. And so I'm definitely feeling the pressure to make sure that my boys 
you know, continue that, which I'm sure we will. We have a plan around it. It makes it a little bit easier that we homeschool because right. we're really going to hyper-focus pretty much what she, once he turns 16, we are hyper-focused on all things Eagle. Um, so yeah, I love- have to wait that long. He can do it as early as 14 if he wants to. So. Yeah. The way that, the way that it will work if, with his schooling is if we continue through the summers and work on the schedule that we're going to be working on, he'll kind of be winding down his high school curriculum by 16, 17. So then I'm like, okay, we have a little bit of time, a little bit of extra time where anything that we haven't wrapped up with Eagle, we should be able to get done then. So we'll see best laid plans, you know, we'll see. But I love that it's a family business and that you guys are all in there having your own roles. It's no different than what we do on the farm. We all have our roles that we're good at, you know, Um, and we're a team. We're all on the same team. So that's really cool. And I love that Scouts was part of your uh, your business's story of how you came to fruition. Um, So can you tell us, were were you in Scouts yourself or it's just your boys? My, My sons and my daughter. Uh, we're in scouts. I was not. I'm a preacher's kid, and we moved every two years, boing, 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 and it was really hard to get into scouting where I moved so often, right. and so I did not join until my son was a Cub Scout. Yeah. And then uh, he went all the way through, finished it, and star. Uh, my youngest, my daughter, is, has earned her Summit Award, which is the highest award available in venturing, which is cool. venturing version of Eagle. And then my son, my youngest son, got an eagle last year during COVID, which was a mess. <laughs> and then he's also three quarters of the way toward the summit and venturing as well. So, my, cool. his goal is he want his goal is to have both eagle and summit. Oh so. my gosh, that's so cool! Um, do you mind sharing what this is? Just a question that is on my sure. mind: what your uh, son's eagle project was? Sure. Uh, at our church, many years ago, we had a little area behind the church in a little forest area that people could go in and have like uh not can't basically they could do lessons in the forest with their uh with their youth group well during the tornado we had several years ago it went right through that area just destroyed it and so will had always heard stories from his older sibling about using that area so what he did was he basically got a whole bunch of helpers, a lot of friends, would clean that whole area out, and then he built benches and reset the stage so they could reuse it again. So oh, that is so cool. And that as as hard as it probably was to do during COVID, that was a time when people were moving outdoors because we were safer outdoors. So they said. Exactly. So that's really cool that he did that. Um, I'm already kind of trying to get some ideas of when we're there and what we could do. Scouting yeah. is a journey, not a yeah. marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, so. I get I get really nervous about wanting to cross yeah. the things, and then my husband, who has lived through it, is like, "We'll get there." As yeah. a troop, Don't like, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you'll notice on my screen, it says "Advisor of Crew Two Two Three. I'm basically yeah. a scoutmaster for a venturing crew. Okay, and so venturing, of course, is the older scout event from fourteen to twenty. And uh, we're co-ed guys, girls, and we all learn leadership, 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 and have fun as you go. (laughs) Well, it's so cool to find another Scout Positive family. I feel like lately there's, I've seen a lot of people, especially in the homeschool community, go to like other organizations and splinter off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so what are what are just kind of just since we're talking about it, what are kind of your thoughts on um, everything that's happening within Scouts and like why you guys stick with it? The reason we stick with it is because it's really simple. Um, I've got a lot of my friends who went to trail life during all that situation, but for us, I could stand up on top of the house and say this is wrong, but if all the righteous men and women leave, where are the kids? Who's yeah. going to stand there? Yep. It is what I am. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's kind of what we thought too. We were like, what precedent is it setting for our kids that when something's wrong, you just go and copy and start Mm -hmm. another one? Um, you know, it's just like when you have problems in your family or in your church or in your marriage, like you stay and you you figure it out, you work it out together, you find a pathway through. Um, so that's we we're definitely in agreement there, but then also it's 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 a tradition in our family. Like it, it means more than just getting an eagle. It's continuing something that his dad and granddad and all of the aunts and uncles and all the cousins, like for us, like 
there's not really an option, <laughs> you know? So it's just, you know, it's, it's really in our bones. So really cool that that's part of you guys. Um, so I wanted to ask, because I have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen, what are your best tips for either getting a business off the ground or even just that first step of putting together your business plan? What are a couple tips you have around getting started? Well, my business plan would start small. I have several of my friends who have these big, huge dreams and they basically take a huge loan or they get they credit card themselves up to the max. Michael's my plan has always been start small and grow. Grow slow, grow steady. Don't try to jump in there and do because I mean, how many times, let's be honest, have you gone around this town? You'll see restaurants that do an incredible job of getting the building ready and they never open their doors because they've used all their capital to build this incredible thing and they never even open the doors to a single customer. We see it all the time. So my thing is do as much as you can, debt free, okay, it's my opinion, and then do the rest of it, grow slowly and steadily, so. Yeah, I'm right there with you. That was one thing that was really unique about our marketing agency was we didn't have a lot of uh, uh, startup costs. I had a spare bedroom. I had laptop with internet already. And that was kind of all I needed to start working on digital marketing for people. So we kind of grew into our costs. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, I'm reading a book now about the American dream. And um, I always tell people like, just because it's available to us doesn't necessarily mean that it makes sense for every person. And I just see so many people that have put so much debt and so much time into something. And at a certain point, like I tell them, it's like gambling. You have to know when is your out, like when you've spent too much, when you've sacrificed too much, you don't have to ride it all the way to the end, you know? And so it's, it's good to see someone doing it um, in a way that, like you said, slow and steady versus right out of the gate with all this cost and all this debt and all this pressure. Once you've got, like, I remember when I had my first few employees, that pressure that's on you to, to know somebody else is depending on you. That's, oh my gosh, that was something I was not prepared for, <laughs> but I can see that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it was funny. I told my husband that I was going to be interviewing with you and, um, he loves to, um, just tinker around. He of course works on so many things around the farm. Um, and, uh, he, he had, he had heard of you guys because he had had a chainsaw at some point that wasn't working and he was doing research on who could help him with a chainsaw. And of course you guys came up as like the go-to for chainsaws. Um, and he just is really big on like, when you get a tool, kind of like what we were saying earlier, uh, he'll, he'll see, he'll see, he'll get tools and pieces of equipment at garage sales and stuff. And the guy will be like, Oh, it just stopped working. It's not working as good. And then he'll get it home and he'll realize it just needs a clean. It just exactly. needs to sharpen or it needs like an oil change. <laughs> and maybe not all guys know how to do that. So, um, it was interesting that he had of course heard about you. Um, and so, so yeah, so that's one thing I wanted to ask, uh, on behalf of, him and maybe other guys that are like him. Uh, you know, you don't have to throw the chainsaw out at the end of the day. Uh, there are things that you can do <laughs> if it's not working the way it was when you first got it. So I just wanted to kind of get a couple of tips from you. Um, obviously in my house, I'm not the one that's, you know, maintaining uh, other than like the kitchen knives, that's kind of it. But the tools right. and stuff would be Dean. But what are some tips you have for us for just taking better care of our, uh, of our tools and stuff? Okay, number one rule, rust is your enemy. Okay, hmm. if you're ducking garden tools, the first thing you want to do when you get done with it is hose it off with your garden hose, put a light coat of WD-40 on it before you hang it on the wall, okay? Every time you pull a chainsaw chain off of the chainsaw, because you don't want to leave it on there all the time, a light coat of, of uh, uh, WD-40 will clean all of that sap off and keep it moist and greased. The number one rule is an outdoor tool is rust is its enemy, okay? Mm -hmm. Inside is the other version. The dishwasher is your enemy, mm -hmm. okay? So many times BJ and I see uh, knives that are just wrecked because people throw them in the dishwasher because it will warp your edge, it'll knock the edge off your knife and it'll destroy your handle, okay? Mm -hmm. When you're done with your knives, wipe it off, wash it under the sink, dry it off, put it back in the rack, 
okay? That's the most important thing is, for outdoors, your enemy is rust. For your indoors, it's the dishwasher. So, I love that. And of course, having the knives and rolling going the door is a bad idea. Um, they have, if you have a knife block, keep them in the knife block. If not, they have this really awesome thing called a knife guard at a place like All Things Barbecue, which we love. And Bentley says a magnetic clip that fits over top of your edges and your knives. Mm -hmm. That way, if you are in a drawer, they're not just rolling around and knocking the edges off. And seeing your sharpener, it should be your dentist. I should see your knife once or twice a year, okay? Because <laughs> maintenance are this cheap. You're looking at four to five bucks for both knives. You yeah. know, it's not that expensive. So. Yeah, and I know they oh, also. One other rule is we learned this last week: don't take them to the hardware store. Okay. Love our guys at the hardware store, <laughs> but I had to completely redo a complete set of Shunkai knives oh, that the guy's God. wife had taken to the hardware store, and it was awful. Oh god! <laughs> I could have run it like this across my arm oh, and no. just raised a welt. That's all it done. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning. Uh, I like the point that you said about the dishwasher. Um, I definitely don't put my my nice knives in there. But I'm also learning too that like um, even just your nice pots and pans, um, like they don't really need to go in there either. And so it really makes it a lot easier on me uh, not to have to put. Not only because it does it can't always handle a potter pan, but also just because like I'm at the point with our some of our nicer pots and pans where like the like the inside lining and stuff is starting to chip. And so yeah. I'm just like. Yeah, we just replaced ours because yeah. ours were what, maybe 20 years old? At least. And uh, yeah. yeah, we keep her in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but ours were old. And so we had to completely replace ours because most of the bottom was gone over all those years. So yeah, and I've noticed that. It can be a part of the problem because you're going from cold to hot in a real quick frequency. So. Yes, yeah, that's one thing. That's one thing I've <laughs> Um, and then I've seen too, uh, with, if it, like for people that maybe don't have a knife block, I've seen where they make those like strips that is just magnetic. Ooh, magnetic strips. All of our restaurants keep those. Yeah. Again, yeah. Uh, available from Victoria Knox at All Things Barbecue. They're not very expensive. And they simply mount to your wall with two screws and all your knives just strapped to that or magnetically held to that rack. Yeah, keep I think those are around cool. keep them out of children's hands. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, so in just to recap, outdoors, uh -huh. do whatever you can to not get rust on there. Use WD-40. Indoors, avoid that dishwasher. Hand wash and use either a magnetic strip or uh, a knife block to store your knives in. So mm -hmm. I love that. And I'm, I'm definitely doing that inside. I don't know about well, what's happening. the plastic covers, like I said, to the, yeah. uh, you are going to swim in the door, so. Yeah, which is smart. And is just safety, not only making exactly. it last longer, but safety-wise too. I have reached my hand into a drawer before I'm cutting my hand on a knife that was floating around. So be careful, so. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. And I will definitely link to um, All Things Barbecue. I've never been in there, but I've passed by it several you times. Love it. You know, those are great folks. Yeah. So. We'll have to, we'll have to give them a little shout out and we'll have to go visit them sometime. Um, okay. So moving on to a couple of different subjects. So um, you had said you were uh, kind of catching up on my show mm -hmm. and you had listened to a recent podcast where I talked about the filter of no and mm -hmm. how I went through a time in my life where I just had to say no to things. I just had to say yes to the family and no to all of the other things. And you had said that that kind of resonated with you. So I was wondering if you might be able to share a little bit um, about your experience with that. Sure. Um, I learned it from a book, another book called The Art of Saying No. Um, forgive me, I don't have the author in front of me, but it helps me a lot because about, what would it be, three or four years ago, we were having, um, we realized we had a, for months at a time with scouting, church, all this other stuff, we were having sometimes six and seven nights a week out of the house mm. for months on end. It was just nuts. And so she and I learned the art of saying no, just because we were going insane because we were just so busy. You know, we were like, my, my joke was, who are you? You know, <laughs> so, because, you know, we were just too busy at the time. And so are you looking that up? Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Damon Zahariadis. Damon Damon Zahariadis is, okay. how is the name. 
but the book assembly is not even a book it's almost like a booklet hmm. it's very small it's available on audible from a very good narrator and it's something called the art of saying no and i think every entrepreneur and every mom and dad needs to learn that need to read that book so ah. it makes life a lot easier yeah and we learned it very late in our children's lives would you agree yeah ish <laughs> i definitely remember a time when we had something every single night of the week mm -hmm. every yeah. single night of the week we had something and so there was no room for you know the dinner table conversation there was no room for making a good dinner for yeah. the family um and i just don't think that's the way that we were meant to live especially not kiddos we're really anti the rat race like i have friends with kids in every single sport every single fine art you know, their weekends are dedicated to tournaments and meets. And it's just like, that's good that they have a passion, but what happens when that isn't there? You exactly. know, if they're not Olympic level, what's left after that, you know, or major leagues or whatever is the equivalent in their activity. So, um, so yeah, we, we, I really guard our evenings. Like if we, we pretty much, we have scouts Monday and that's kind of it, you know, we don't really have anything else. And if something does want to get put on the calendar, that's like a weekly evening thing. I'm very like, okay, this has to be really important to us. If we're going to commit to something, giving up another night of the week, you know? So, um, so yeah. And, and I, you know, the whole like lean in movement with women saying to like lean into their careers. I am so anti that because it's the same thing where I felt like when I was leaning in to try to have a a career, I was leaning away from my family and I was doing everything kind of half uh, and not any one thing good. So, so yeah, I think we uh, got to prioritize time with our kids and time with our families. Cause it's just, and you know, having older kids, it's just so short. It goes by so fast. Very fast. <laughs> yes. Okay. So another favorite topic of mine, of course, is the Enneagram. And so you had mentioned that you were an Enneagram seven. So that's the enthusiast, which makes total Amazing sense. Amazing concept, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just curious. Um, a lot of people, like when I first got my results that I was a six, I didn't mm -hmm. love that I was a six. Like I didn't love the description, but it ultimately was accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I'm curious when you first got your kind of diagnosis as being a seven, did you feel good about that? Did you feel nervous about that? Do you feel like it's accurate? What was kind of your experience getting that? Sure. My daughter has been in Enneagrams for quite some time, but PJ and I are working on teaching a spiritual gifts class. Okay. <laughs> and we've done it with Briggs Myers. We've done it with, uh, um, Smiley Trent with the lion, beaver, retriever, blah, blah. But people are using Instagrams nowadays. And so I basically just simply watched a YouTube video from a guy that gave the basics of each point. Well, when seven came to me, boom, I know what I was. You know, I mean, think about it. I'm on, literally, I'm off the charts ADHD. I'm not even on the scale. My doctor just was like, I'm done. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm a musician, I'm an actor, I'm a former stand-up comedian, I'm a, an exhibition blacksmith. And being in front of the public and on TV or whatever, in front of a camera, is easy for me. That's who I am, you know? So since I heard seven, I'm like, yep, I'm a seven. I may lend to an eight, lend to a six, I'm not sure, but seven is all me. When I got home and shared it with her on lunchtime, the funniest thing is, she heard herself pulled in as a five. That's BJ. She is very introverted, very, oh, forgive me for saying, she's a, like the nerd when you know how everything works and there's a process to everything. Well, we were listening to that and then I was at my day job working and I listened to, we always like to know, being a spiritual gifts teacher, who each personality type would lean toward as a mate. Okay, so I'm watching this romantic relationship, you know, this type of thing, another YouTube video about who a number seven would look for. 30 seconds into the video, she says, the funniest thing is, she's a Brit, so the funniest thing is, sevens tend toward fives. Oh, I'm sure. cracking up in the middle of the shop, and everyone just <laughs> kind of looked at me funny. I brought home, showed her the same video, we both started laughing, you know. <laughs> Because when we did Briggs Meyer, we were on opposite scales. And both of the things that 
we should never even be friends, let alone be married for 33 years, you know. But the the Enneagram had her being a five, me being a seven, and it's like both fives and seven seem to uh, gravitate towards each other. So it's pretty funny. Yeah, so. and it's and it's so spot on. Like it's so mm-hmm. scary spot on when you do find your number. Um, I did an episode where I, I talked with a friend of mine who's an HR professional, and we Just compared. Yeah, we compared like Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, and I think one other one that I'm just blanking on right now. Okay. Um, but but yeah, it's, it's interesting how it not only helps you kind of understand yourself, but also those around you. Um, and so my Enneagram marriage story, uh, I keep a, a running list on my phone of, of people around me and what their Enneagram number is. And for the longest time, I had no one listed as an eight. And it's the challenger. It's kind of like a dominant type of figure. And I, I used to joke, well, people just don't want to admit their eights. That's why I don't have anyone there, you know, and then come to find out we had thought my husband was a three, the helper. And then I went to a parenting Enneagram course and uh, my husband's reading through the different like parenting responses that would be typical for a three. And he's like, this just isn't me at all. And we came home that night and he was like, I really never thought the three was exactly right. Like I thought it was the closest one, but it's did it never fully felt like me. So I was of course panicking. I was like, I have to know what number I'm married to. And so we stayed up all night reading the book road back to you and just looking at all the different websites and stuff and come to find out he's totally an eight and so it's just so funny that here I thought I had no eights around me and I had one sitting in bed next to me yeah (laughs) and it's so true I mean if you look at a program similar the the smally trend uh lion retriever that lion personality which is in which is an eight in in the um want to be in charge want to take care of things this is my job is to be the leader that's an eight, that's a lion. Both Dr. Trent and Dr. Smalley have said, if you do not have one of these in your family, God will put a child in your family who <laughs> is that type. And we uh, learned that in a very interesting way because neither of us are that kind of way. God gave us a child that was like, here's how we should run the universe. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. And it's funny, the one of the things that hit me on the eight was the eights are really big on self-sufficiency. And uh, I remember I it was that night when we were staying up all night trying to figure out what he was. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I, I took him. Of course, we're on a farm and we homestead and we raise a lot of our own meat and veggies and everything. And so I, I grabbed my husband and I took him to our outside freezer and it's just full of whole chickens like you know, 30 plus chickens that we, we butchered ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is how I know you're an eight because mm-hmm. you're the oh, one that got to be self-sufficient enough that we have a freezer full of chickens just in case <laughs> we can't get it elsewhere or because right. you only trust us to raise food the way we see fit. And so I was like, you're, this is totally you. I've got evidence of it right here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your prepper quote unquote, a lot of those are going to be eights flat out. Yeah, I know them because of the because of the people I run with. You know, my joke is camo is my favorite color. So I run with a lot of prepper type people. So yeah, okay. So one last little enneagram question: How do you feel like you're being an enneagram seven, being an enthusiast? How do you feel like that helps you or maybe hinders you in your business? Hinders is easy. Um, I have to have her. Otherwise, I'm just going blah, 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 bouncy, 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 bouncy. I'm a rubber ball inside of an enclosed room, okay? She helps me focus on things because there's a lot of things in this industry. You've got to learn to have training. You've got to slow down. You've got to go visit another tech uh, sharpener who's been doing this for 30 years. Time and techniques change over the years, okay? We're no longer where we started using hand tools, you know, and files the whole time. Most of our stuff we do nowadays, believe it or not, unless it's a high-end thing, are done with machines. Mm. But you've got to learn it slowly. She helped me as a five remember that because otherwise, again, I'm a magic ball inside of an enclosed room, okay? (laughs) On the social media side, being a seven has made my life being fun because it's easy for me to be in front of a camera. I mean... 
we're on TikTok, we're doing Reels, we're doing YouTube, blah, blah. And for me, it's just like turning on the cameras, putting on another hat, yeah. you know what I mean? And so my joke is, you know, we're happy to be everywhere on social media that we are, you know? And so when people call us on the phone, they're like, how would you like, here it is, BJ, how would you love to be number one on the page of your industry? I said, have you looked up sharpening in Wichita? Yeah. It's just us. Yeah. Just, we don't have competitors. We have friends. We have one other sharpener in this town. One. His name is Carl. He's a buddy of ours. <laughs> we send him work. He sends us work, you know. And so there's just not enough of us to cause a competition. There's just yeah. not. So, yeah. but uh, CEO, SEO is easy for me just because I put so much content out there. Yes. And so, and that's just because of who I am as a seven, you know? So yeah. If it wasn't I, for her, I'd just be there. be everywhere. <laughs> I love that. And you're so right about, um, I mean, content. Yeah, she said it. I would be running myself into the ground. So that's <laughs> me. I run myself and run myself until she says, stop. <laughs> or I run myself until I'm just there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and you're so right about one thing I, so I train a lot of small businesses and small business owners on their digital marketing. And that is a major red flag when someone calls and they're like, I guarantee you the number one spot on Google, or I guarantee you this, like they're just, SEO is such a fluid game and they yeah. might be able to guarantee it at one point in time, but- yeah. It doesn't mean that it's going to stay there. And one thing, another thing that you hit on that I always train small business owners is each social media platform, you know, profile that you have that counts as another website. Mm -hmm. So you no longer just have your website that shows and results. You have your Facebook, your Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, which I can't stand LinkedIn. I'm boring. I'm sorry. (laughs) LinkedIn to me is like watching paint dry. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's like, you should be on LinkedIn. I am. I share things on LinkedIn, but I will never scroll through LinkedIn. It's like, oh, look. More pay. Yeah, well, and that makes total sense. So LinkedIn is the the one platform that is just more C2C, more like commercial or B2C type businesses. So that makes total sense. Um, And I think it's important to have a nice resume out there on LinkedIn, but it's not one of the profile, the the platforms that I would say content is really heavy on, you know? Um, And I love what you said about how SEO is easy when you've got enthusiasm enough to put out content. You know, um, when you're you're passionate enough about what you're doing and you're comfortable in front of the camera, that's the one thing I run into a lot with my people is that they uh, are passionate about what they're doing, but making a reel is the most terrifying thing to them. And you just have to get more out of the box. You don't have to be in the camera every time on reels, but for that reason, I think Instagram is probably my favorite because you've just got so many different ways that you can make content, you know? Yeah. And, so, and then you can cross it over. You can send it over to TikTok. You can send it over to Instagram, I mean, sorry, Facebook, Twitter. Yes. It's just a simple push of the button. Yeah, and yeah. one thing I've been, I've been experimenting with lately is YouTube has their shorts that they've rolled out. I love shorts. So I use all my, when I'm going around putting stuff on Reels and on yeah. uh, Reels and Instagram, sorry, TikTok, it also goes into a shorts file. Yes. Yeah. I've been uh, playing with downloading some of my past most popular reels and uploading them as YouTube shorts. And so that's another big thing I'm big on is if you're going to make something and you make a good blog post or a good video or good reel, you know, reuse it, remarket it in a few months or put it on a different platform. Um, And there's some marketers that say that each platform should have its own voice and its own whatever, but when you're a business owner, it's it's just important to get you. You spend time making a thing. You might as well see how it performs on different platforms. Exactly. You know? So I mean, I it's pretty that. funny for us. We're doing pretty well on, for example, Instagram and Facebook. But our YouTube channel kind of plodding along real slow. Don't know why. We're working on that. And TikTok, we've only been on for about a month, and so it just takes time. Yeah, you know, I I recently attended a social media conference in Wichita, and the topic of the like keynote panel was supposed to be TikTok, and I was like, oh, I really like Instagram. I'm I'm gonna just take their advice and basically find a way to apply that to Reels, right? I was like, not having it, not having another platform. Um, but and it was interesting. About halfway through the panel, they basically one panelist basically admitted that she was kind of doing what I was saying where she had put her same content from TikTok onto YouTube shorts. And as successful as she was on TikTok, she was even more so on YouTube. 
um, because it wasn't so my my opinion is that it's wasn't just everyone that has the app it's anyone that's searching the internet ha anyone that has yeah, access like, to a browser exactly yeah and it's and it's a google machine and so and then the other what she said that the other two uh influencers admitted like yeah they have a lot of success on tiktok but ultimately their goal on tiktok is to get people over to like their facebook or their instagram somewhere that they can do like what i do where they sell products and partnerships and stuff like that so i was like okay i i i feel like reaffirmed in that i don't necessarily need to have this other platform uh i'll just keep keep giving Instagram all my love and Instagram actually just rolled out, I think last week or the week before they're actually going to start themselves paying out people uh, directly to the, to the creator. So if you have a reel or something that goes viral or goes by, they have like a checklist of what they consider a really well-performing reel. And Instagram is actually just going to pay you directly based on how nice. well. Yeah. So I think they set aside like a billion dollars to pay directly to influencers. And they said that Facebook is also gonna have uh, a similar you know, program if and when they get around to making it. Well, but so- Remember, uh, um, sorry, Facebook already has a program for that of videos. Right. It monetize your meta videos on, um, on Facebook as you can on Instagram. That right. makes a big difference because a lot of our uh, YouTubers, for example, BJ and I, watch, we're, we're fantasy people. We like to read fantasy and play old-fashioned D&D type of games, okay? Well, there's a thing on there called Viva La Dirt League, and they're really, really popular in YouTube. But what they'll do is they will post all of their content onto Facebook and monetize it. That way, they've got two income streams coming in all at once. Yeah. Pretty, pretty smart, I think. Yes, so. definitely. And I'll have to... I can't remember because I know on YouTube there's a certain amount of views that you have to get and able to get Correct. monetization. I don't remember what the what the uh, threshold is you have to achieve on Facebook, but I'm sure there's something. It's it's one thousand. If that, if I'm not mistaken, YouTube it's going to be uh, followers, subscribers. Sorry, subscribers and view time. Right. On Facebook, it is view time. It is going to be sorry again. It's going to be one hundred percent view time. Okay, because yeah. usually if you go into what they call uh, Facebook Watch, right? That's where if I put my video in Facebook Watch, other videos come up underneath it immediately that are recommended. Right. Everyone was a hundred percent of those are monetized videos through the creator. So mm -hmm. as you get yourself in there and yours is underneath, you're going to get more view time because Facebook, unlike uh, uh, YouTube immediately pops those up and starts playing yeah it's the user really has cool. to click away from them. yeah and it's kind of the same as like the reels feed i've had people mm -hmm. tell me like oh exactly. i was just randomly going through the reels feed and like one of yours popped up and i'm like cool that's what i want to hear exactly <laughs> um so yeah so i i think it's such a fun time to be making content and i also think it's one of those things that you don't have to take too seriously you know mm -hmm. like this oh, is still one. This, yeah. is, this is still your side job and this is still my passion project it's no longer my main income like it used to be with with the agency and i find that it sounds bad but like the stuff i'm putting out is more authentic because it's me on behalf of myself not on behalf of a business um but it's i feel like it's more authentic and i feel like it just i don't know it performs better um just because there isn't such pressure when i was the hired marketing firm for a company, there was so much pressure on, you know, how things were going to perform. And even though I explained to them, I can't guarantee every post is going to get the same engagement. All we can do is just, you know, keep the conversation going. You know, if they're down in sales that month, they're going to blame marketing, right? And they forget to, they forget to love on you when the sales are up. <laughs> so exactly. I don't know, all that to say that it's, I love when business owners are engaged with their marketing. I love the idea of an Enneagram 7 being just a natural content creator. Because um, I try to explain that to people. Like I literally think, they say that photographers see the world through a lens. Like, mm -hmm. and I always yeah. say, I literally see the world through like an Instagram. Is this a post? Is this a reel? Is this a story? Like, I just like, I see the weirdest things and I'm like, oh, that would make a really cool story for your business or whatever. And so, um, 
So yeah, and I bet um, my husband has posted a couple of like before and afters of where he's taken a really old tool and he's like gotten all the rust off of it and made it just like beautiful and shiny. And of course that stuff, I mean, before and afters in any industry goes over really well. So I bet yeah. that would work really well. We for do you guys a lot too. of before and afters. Yeah. Of course, again, being who we are, uh, we read a book and I really highly suggest it. It's called well, the real you, please stand up. I have a character called Kim Garst. And it's all about being authentic in your social media. Yeah. People can spot a faker a mile away. And so you might as well just stand there and be who you are. We have been referred to as the Duck Dynasty of Wichita. <laughs> we are silly. We are funny. It's faith, family, and fun. That's how we are. The videos you see, that's us. Okay. Yeah. These stupid things like me shaving my face with a kitchen knife. <laughs> okay. We just are, we're using a throw, a kitchen, you know, if we sharpen the throwing, why we sharpen the throwing hatchet? Guess what we did? We <laughs> built pallets, we threw it and we videoed it. It's who we are. Yes. So, yeah. You know, so being authentic is the only way to really do this kind yeah. of thing. People and there's so, by the way. There's so many uh, conversations around like, find your niche, find the thing that sets you apart and makes you different. And it's like, I, if you could, if you could, if you would just forget all of the advice and just be yourself, mm -hmm. be your authentic self, that thing would show itself. The thing mm -hmm. that makes you, you is going to automatically deep be there. But I think so many creators and so many business owners kind of get in their own head about like the persona or the branding strategy and this and that. And it doesn't have to be that way. You can just be yourself. And like you guys can, can uh, stand out above the competition, just being yourself. So I love it. Very cool. Okay. So um, before we wrap, um, do you have any like last minute uh, advice or tidbits or anything in closing you want to, you want to say? Uh, not really. You covered a lot of it. The main thing is making connections like you and I have here on on Instagram is how small businesses that are all our sizes. I mean, you're a one woman shop. Um, we're three rednecks in a 750 square foot garage with a puppy, you know, <laughs> and so it's a totally different ballgame, you know, and so knowing knowing you're not your niche i hate those we don't believe in boxes you know that than that but knowing who you are and being able to put that out and being authentic about it and thinking about it authentic about it that <laughs> there's a number seven again <laughs> uh, that being authentic about it and knowing who you are and just putting it out there and folks are going to find you that way so yes you know, definitely that, I've really been enjoying stuff like making connections with other small business owners who I would never know until I see, you know, I started checking out you on your, on your Instagram. Then I saw you listen to, I think I've been listening to all of your stuff now. I think I'm caught up. Yeah. So, I listened to your uh, today's one, well, today, obviously. So I've been listening to it pretty quick. I follow you on Podbean. So. Yes. Yeah, I just did one. Uh, this lady was giving me all kinds of tips about like getting your kids into college and getting them scholarships and, and taking the SAT, which my son is a sophomore. So we are right about to be at that point. So I, I felt as much as her information, it was really awesome to share with listeners. I felt like I got like a one-on-one -on -one, like coaching session with her almost. <laughs> I was writing yeah. down so many things. <laughs> You'll probably edit this out, but what did you think about working with your friend from HR? Did that kind of work into your brain some ideas? Yes, definitely. I thought her, I thought her episode, uh, it, and I haven't checked my stats in a while, but that was a very popular one. Um, I just thought getting her opinion on COVID and everything that's happening right now, like it's just just something that I don't think people have stopped to think about. And just that it's so much more complicated from an employer standpoint, like I am so grateful that I do not have an office of people that I have to take care of during this, that I didn't have to make decisions for them. Um, you know, and I, I look at my friends that do have bigger, like my dad runs a pretty big company out in Nevada, or even like my friends that are on staff at my church, they had to make decisions that affected hundreds of families. And it just is so complicated. And so I appreciated her, uh, giving us kind of a look into that and i do not envy anyone having to make those decisions oh, a good point 
So question, and again, I'm putting it on the head here. Yeah. We moved here from Atlanta, Georgia back in the early 90s. What brought you out here from what to which job? Yeah, good question. Okay, so we lived um, down in New Braunfels, Texas for about 10 years. Um, that's between pretty much right between San Antonio and Austin. Um, and I grew up there. And um, I came here in my like junior, senior year of high school. My dad's job had him moving all around. And so I met my husband in high school here um, and then went to KU and then very quickly tried to get back to Texas. And then when he graduated KU, he came back down to Texas. And we joked that pretty much when the ink was still wet on our mortgage for our house we bought in New Braunfels, we were like, man, wouldn't it be nice not to have neighbors? Wouldn't it be nice to live, live on a farm? And we started really getting into being conscious of what we were putting in our bodies and how food is being produced and stuff. And so we almost immediately started daydreaming of what this life would be like. Yeah. Um, we always thought it would be a farm in Texas, but I tell you what, God did not want that because we tried to buy like three or four different little homesteads in Texas and they all fell through. They were disastrous real estate situations. And then finally, when the last one fell through, my husband was like, I think maybe we're supposed to be back in Kansas. I think we're supposed to be where my family is because he has family um, kind of all over. He has family in Wichita, out in Greensburg, out in Independence. So family around, uh, around the area. And my sister went to WSU. So I did have some siblings here as well. And at first I was like, nope, I'm a Texas girl through and through. There's no way I'm going to leave the Lone Star State again. But then I started looking at our budget and I always joked that for about the same budget in the New Braunfels area, we were going to get like six, maybe seven acres in Derby, Kansas. I got 20 acres Yeah, unrestricted out of city limits for about the same amount of money. And so I was like, man, if I really want to be serious about us making better food for us and eventually other people, then I got to follow what makes sense for the, for the budget wise. And I'm so, and I'm so glad we did. Um, cause yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what, what brought us here as family. And then also just wanting to fulfill this dream that we had had of being able to have room to whatever animals we felt like growing and raising, we have, we have room to do all that out here. So so yeah, it's nice. I like that. We always said if we ever moved back to Kansas, it would be Wichita. I wasn't going to do another small town. And yeah. so it's nice because we're close enough to Wichita. We're close enough to the airport, but also kind of like we're past Derby, not quite to Mulvane, but almost. And so, I mean, out here, my neighbors are like Longhorn cattle and wheat fields and cornfields, you know? So we kind of got the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Well, tell us where, so you had said that we should be bringing our tools into you a couple of times a year. So um, if you could tell us uh, where, where we can find you, where we can connect with you. Okay. Let's say I'm a mom that's like sitting at home listening to this. And I'm like, I've not once ever had my knives sharpened <laughs> since I got yeah. them. Like, where can we reach you if okay. we're ready to do that? Best thing is call us on, call BJ who just left to go pick up my old, my youngest from work. Uh, call her at 293-8293 and she'll talk to her because she is the voice in the, in the face of this business and then uh, we'll get you taken care of. And of course, our website is, <laughs> we do love this being who you are. We just did a complete redesign on our website because the 90s called and wanted their website back. <laughs> <laughs> and so our webmaster did a really good job of rebuilding our web our uh, thing on WordPress because it was so old. It was like, I was like, just get rid of it. Who cares? Nuke it to the ground and start from the beginning. Yes. So we're at Eminem Sharpening Services.com. And then dot biz, and sharpening dot biz, because we thought bit dot biz was going to be a thing. It's not a thing, but it is. <laughs> so, and then of course we're everywhere. If you look up M and M sharpening, M N M sharpening, we're on Facebook, Yahoo. I'm sorry, uh, YouTube, uh, Instagram, to everywhere. We're on you, LinkedIn. We don't do anything on LinkedIn. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I will definitely, uh, I'll definitely put that phone number in the episode notes okay. and your website and your Instagram, since that's where we met. The main thing is, um, if you on Insta, you will find us everywhere else. Yeah. So. Very cool. And you're so right how um, I can just look at a website and tell 
you know, if it's outdated, it's so interesting. It's almost, I describe it to people as like home renovations. Oh yeah. There's, there's a, there's a long period of time where you can get by with having the same website, but eventually you'll walk into that kitchen one day and you'll be like, nope, this is completely outdated. <laughs> when speaking back to where we were about finding where we go, when we first got started, our webmaster was also learning her craft. And so we were one of the first full websites that she built. Oh, cool. With the old fashioned pages and all the drop downs and blah, blah, blah. And it was just, we were like, this works great for eight years, but we need something better. So yeah. she did a complete redesign last, last, just this spring. Oh, very so cool. cool. Yeah. We, like it. we changed it. We were able to put Will, who's one of her other, my mother, my youngest son, who's a sharpener. We were able to put his bio on there and so stuff like that. So, yeah. We, I also changed so much we had been okay you're a farmer you understand this our joke is you hold things together with duct tape bailing wire and a prayer <laughs> well that website had been changed so many times just by doing add-ons and it was held together with buck duct tape bailing wire and a prayer <laughs> okay it was yeah. crashing it was awful <laughs> yeah well i looked at it earlier and i thought it was very i thought it was great i thought it flow it, the flow was good all of the pertinent information was in the places i thought it would be and i loved the video the video didn't start playing right away it wasn't until right. i walked away and came back and then i was like oh this is cool which is actually the way you should do it because i used to have clients that would want like music playing right away and video playing right away and i'd be like people don't want that when they're yeah. at their office just trying to look you up real quick they don't want all this stuff in their face so i thought yours behaved the way that i absolutely would say that it should so i think it it looks great so you can tell your web designer that or if they listen to this um so yeah well i will definitely make sure to link to all of your information so that people okay. can find you um and i'll just close us out just with a couple of of reminders here um the big thing i'm pushing for right now is just making sure that people go and subscribe to my blog it's a step that a lot of my followers forget that they can do um so if you go to my website mamamarketer.com you can subscribe either in the sidebar or you can scroll all the way down to the bottom and give me a subscribe um that's a really big uh simple easy way but impactful way to support me and my show and all of my efforts so so, um, so yeah, go and subscribe to my blog if you haven't. And I think that's all I have for today. Um, so yeah, we'll sign off. We'll say bye. And then um, I look for this to come out probably. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be like early next week. So I'll tag you. I'll tag you in all the things when it comes out. Okay. Sounds like great. Awesome. Okay. Well, you and your wife and your pup and your kiddos, when you see them, you guys all have a good day. Thank you so much. Bye. Take care now. Bye. Bye now.